pulls the gun on the kid. Maybe Timothy Dalton's just stupid. Yeah. It was not uh, the best, but it might have been the worst. Going for the serious tone, it just would have been nice if those serious tones were good. It was a river of shit. Check, check. Check. There it is. Check. Yes, Juliet, are you with me? Okay. Um, so, The Living Daylights. Jason, real quick off the top. You'll notice Harley's missing for this one. Uh, he'll make a brief cameo in the end. Viewing or listening, you'll hear it. Uh, oh, shit. Didn't think about listening. We oh, cut well. audio out of it. Yeah, we'll easy. figure it out. Yeah, okay. We have the technology. You have the technology. Uh, um, but yeah, Harley Wajda with us, had to go, you know, life stuff. Real quick off the top, first impressions, just whatever you got right off the top. So absolutely, like, this just wasn't any of the James Bond movies we have seen before. Like, just from, like, a, a cinematography perspective, like, all these shots were done, like, very differently. It felt like this was, like, an actual thought-out, like, action spy movie, Rather than them trying to like make another, sorry, Sean I Connery. Didn't mean to interrupt, but uh, this movie, this movie's a good movie, man. You guys get to it. All right, man. Have a good one. See you, man. Just lock the knob if you could. He's not gonna do it. Okay. No. Um, but definitely, definitely felt like this was was done a little differently from. Uh, the other James Bond movies. It felt like it had a little bit more of a serious tone. Felt more like James Bond was a spy rather than like a tourist in a spy's day job kind of thing. Yeah. I would I would agree. Uh, I, you guys didn't seem so hot on Dalton. I liked his more serious manner. Yeah. Um, I, I still really liked him overall. I thought he did a good performance. There's just a handful of some of like, like the Bondisms especially is something I wish he could have like like, his character could have lightened up a bit more for. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that was kind of just the tone overall that uh, that they were going with, was this being a little bit more more serious. We didn't have as much of that uh, comic relief that kind of just naturally came with, uh, you know, Roger Moore and everything else, so. Yeah. Uh, some interesting casting stuff for this movie specifically. Um, I'm just going to read, so caution if you hate my reading. Sure. But, uh. In autumn 85, following the financial and critical disappointment of A View to a Kill, work began on scripts for the next Bond film and the intention that Roger Moore would not reprise the role of James Bond. Moore, who by the time of the release of Living Daylights uh, would have been 59 years old, chose to retire from the role after 12 years and 7 films. Uh, Albert Broccoli, however, claimed that he let Moore go from the role. During, a, during an extensive search for a new actor to play Bond, a number of actors, including New Zealander Sam Neill, Irish-born Pierce Brosnan and Welsh-born stage actor Timothy Dalton auditioned for the role in 1986. Bond co-producer Michael G. Wilson, director John Glenn, Dana, and Barbara Broccoli were impressed with Sam Neill and very much wanted to use them. However, Albert Broccoli was not sold on the actor. Meanwhile, financial backers at Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer uh, recommended Mel Gibson. <laughs> oh my god. Could you imagine Mel Gibson as a Bond? Get out of here. But Broccoli was not interested. Same. Uh, good, good, good on Broccoli. <laughs> good call. Other actors touted to the press uh, included Brian Brown, Michael Nader, Andrew Clark, and Finlay Light. 
Uh, none of those people that I know who the fuck they are. Uh, producers eventually offered the role. There's a little, there's a little drama to this casting thing. That's why I wanted to read it. Sure. The producers eventually offered the role to Brosnan after a three-day screen test. At the time, he was contracted to do the television series Remington Steel, which had been canceled by the NBC network due to failing ratings. Let me real quick read you what uh, Remington Steel is all about. Um, Remington Steel's premise is that Laura Holt, a licensed plate inv- private investigator, Stephanie Zimbalist, opened a detective agency under her own name, but found potential clients refused to hire a woman, no matter how qualified. To solve the problem, Laura invents a fictitious male superior she names Remington Steel. Through a series of events in the first episode, Licensed to Steel, spelled S-T-E-E-L-E. Cringe. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan's character, a former thief and con man, whose real name he even he proves not to know and is never revealed, assumes the identity of Remington Steele. Behind the scenes, a power struggle ensues between Laura and, and Steele as to who is really in charge, while the two carry on a casual romantic relationship. So that's fun. Um, so... The announcement that he would be chosen to play James Bond caused a surge in interest in the series, which led NBC to exercising um, Brosnan's, uh, a 60-day option in Brosnan's contract to make a further season of the series. NBC's action caused drastic repercussions, as a result of which Broccoli withdrew the offer given to Brosnan, citing that he did not want the character associated with a contemporary television series. This led to a drop in interest in Remington Steele, and only five new episodes were filmed before the series was finally canceled. The edict from Broccoli was that Remington Steele would not be James Bond, which would later prove to be false. Um, uh, yeah, okay, where was the other thing? So, okay, I don't know who the fuck Bathurst is. Bathurst is, or Bathurst, I don't know how you say that name. Uh, but whoever he is, he believes that his ludicrous audition was only an arm-twisting exercise because the producers wanted... Persuade. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped a paragraph. That's what it was. Dana Broccoli suggested Timothy Dalton. Albert Broccoli was initially reluctant to give Dalton's public lack of interest in the role, uh, but his wife's urging agreed to meet the actor. However, Dalton would soon begin filming Brenda Starr and so would be unavailable. In the intervening period, having completed Brenda Starr, Dalton was offered the role once again, which he accepted. For a period, the filmmakers had Dalton but he had not signed a contract. A casting director persuaded Robert Bathurst, Bathurst, whatever you want to say, an English actor who had become known for his roles in Joking Apart, Cold, we don't care. Um, he believes his audition was an arm-twisting exercise because the producers wanted to persuade Dalton to take the role by telling him they were still auditioning actors. Dalton agreed to the film while traveling between airports. Uh, quote from him, Without anything to do, I decided to start thinking about whether I really, really should or should not do James Bond. Although, obviously, we'd moved some way along in that process. I just wasn't set on whether I should do it or shan't I do it. Uh, but the moment of truth was fast approaching into whether I'd say yes or no, and that's where I said yes. I picked up the phone in the hotel room in Miami airport and called them and said, Yep, you're on. I'll do it. Dalton's take was very different from that of Moore, regarded as much of a reluctant hero, uh, following an undeniable influence of the Fleming Bond in the way that the veteran agent was often uncomfortable in his job. Dalton wished to create a bond different from Moore's, feeling he would have declined the project if he were asked to imitate Moore. In contrast to Moore's more jocular approach, Dalton found his creative muse from the original books. I definitely wanted to recapture the essence and the flavor of the books and play it less flippantly. 
After all, Bond's essential quality is that he's a man who lives on the edge. He can get killed at any moment, and that stress and danger factor is reflected in the way he lives. Chain smoking, drinking, fast cars, and fast women. Uh, and then it says Roger Moore declined to watch The Living Daylights, and so did Pierce Brosnan, saying they didn't want to have... It's just like, I don't care about that part. You know, I don't know. Roger Moore said he didn't want to have a negative connotation, but he approved. And then Sean Connery apparently endorsed Timothy Dalton. Okay. And uh, Desmond uh, Llewellyn, the guy that plays Q, uh, was... Uh, he sa- said he enjoyed working with a fellow stage actor. Okay. Um, I guess maybe it makes sense if, you know, Roger Moore was allegedly, like, actually... You know, fired from being James Bond rather than yeah. you know naturally just being done with it. Maybe there was some some rough blood there, but right. Um, and then pretty much the last thing here. Originally, the KGB general set up by Koskov was to be General Gogol. However, Walter Gotel, if you remember anyone, General Gogol was uh, just the typical Soviet general since the spy who loved me been making recurring appearances so just that typical recurring soviet general you've seen shows the up past at few movies. random plot points just to be like yes yes soviet general red yeah go red whatever <laughs> yeah um however walter gotel was too sick to handle the major role and the character of leonid pushkin uh, replaced gogol who appears briefly at the end of the film having transferred to the soviet diplomatic service this was Gogol's final appearance in a James Bond film. Morton Hackett, the lead vocalist... Uh, okay, this is... Oh, oh, no, that's actually interesting. Morton Hackett, the lead vocalist of the Norwegian rock group AHA, which performed the film's title song, was offered a small role as a villain's henchman in the film, but declined because of lack of time and because he felt they wanted to cast him due to his popularity rather than his acting. Well, duh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would take any opportunity to be like, hey, if this is, you know... Gonna I was be... in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, just a quick round of applause for Lois Maxwell, huh? Yeah. She's all done. She Her final movie was uh, A View to a Kill. Uh, when Roger Moore went, she went. Uh, just a quick little uh, excerpt about uh, her role as Miss Moneypenny from her Wikipedia page. Sure. Um Maxwell lobbied for a role in James Bond Dr. No for, um, in 1962 uh, because her husband had suffered a heart attack and they needed the money. Director Terrence Young, who had once turned her down on the grounds that she looked like she smelled of soap, oh my God. <laughs> quote, offered her either Miss Money Penny or Bond's girlfriend, Sylvia Trench, but she was uncomfortable with the idea of a revealing scene outlined in the screenplay. Mm. Uh, the role as M's secretary guaranteed just two days of work at a rate of 100 pounds per day. Maxwell supplied her own clothes for filming. Maxwell appeared in the Italian spy spoof Operation Kid Brother in 1967 with Bernard Lee, who played M, and Sean Connery's brother, Neil. In the same year, she portrayed Moneypenny in a made-for-TV special, Welcome to Japan, Mr. Bond, in which she co-starred with Kate O'Mara and Desmond Llewellyn. Cute. Uh, the role of Money Penny was nearly recast after Maxwell demanded a pay raise for Diamonds Are Forever in 71. 
However, the producers felt it important to incorporate the regular character, and it was ultimately decided during production to add the scene where, disguised as a customs officer, she gives Bond his tra- travel documents at the Port of Dover. Maxwell and Sean Connery filmed their lines separately and were not present together for the short scene. Moneypenny's undercover policewoman's cap disguises the hair Maxwell had already dyed in preparation for another part. Maxwell stayed on as Moneypenny when her former classmate, Roger Moore, assumed the role of 007 in Live and Let Die in 73. She reprised her character, uh, weeping for the death of Bond in a short scene with Bernard Lee in the French comedy Bond's Bezers de Hong Kong in 1975. During the filming of A View to a Kill in 1985, her final appearance as Moneypenny, producer Albert R. Broccoli pointed out to her why they were... That's they were the only uh, cast or crew members from Doctor No who had not let yet let not yet left the series. Jesus, Maxwell asked that Money Penny be killed off, but Broccoli recast the role instead. Um, <laughs> it'd be a little bit of an odd, violent thing. Just like, oh no, the assassins in the yeah, office. Honestly, that that would have been really heartbreaking for that to be how she gets removed is you know murdered rather than like like I mean they could have even gone with like her retiring. Like it could have been like a. Yeah. James, I can't handle watching you like go out every day and risking your life. You need to get away. Like anything but just killing her off. That would have just been too much. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, and then uh, this is kind of goofy, but according to t- author Tom Lasanti, Maxwell's money penny was seen as an anchor, and her flirtatious relationship with Bond provided the films with dramatic realism and humanism for Money Penny. Bond was unobtainable. Freeing the characters to make outrageous sexual double entendres. Okay. Whatever. Because that's what you should do. If you ever encounter someone you know you can't get with, just be really gross at them. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first. Uh, so. So that's fun. Um, Timothy Dalton's... This is the first of his two films he appears in. Uh, we read through the process on obtaining the role... Uh, oh, and one other significant role in this movie was the bird from Fear Eyes Only <laughs> was in this movie, and he was literally just there. There's almost no point in having him. Yeah, it was kind of a shame that there weren't any like actual you know lines. It seems weird to talk about lines with the bird, but he could talk, so it seemed like kind of a waste not to you know utilize that skill if that was the same bird. But yeah, he wasn't included in the plot at all. He was just kind of. Did he get a credit? Mm, you know, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't watch for that. So, um, so we open up this movie on, uh, you know, just the typical. Oh, it did, this this is a rare one. Um, it seems like a lot of these early movies, the opening sequence, it just has nothing nothing to do with the rest of the movie. This one did. Of course, you don't really find it out till a little later. But there is a um, operation to assassinate all these spies. Death to all spies is the Russian words for it. I don't remember. Not super creative with their... <laughs> yeah. Uh, fuck, if I hit the plot real quick, I bet I can find the... Uh, op- Smirt spionum. Meaning death to spies. Smirt spionum. Smart sperm. Yeah, I'm probably... Uh, sounds like smart sperm. Yeah, uh, probably saying that wrong. So it's fine. Uh, but yeah, so they're all some sort of double O training exercise is going on. They're supposed to hide out. Um, 
infiltrate this island yep. or something. I kind of really like the novelty of like them still doing like ongoing training. You know, because everything has always seemed like, you know, you're either on vacation or you're on a mission, and there wasn't really much of an in-between, yep. but it's nice. It's like, hey, we're, we're sending them out for some training, you know, it's like boot yeah. camp still. Uh, so all the guards have paintballs, and then all of a sudden this dude, he's shooting people, and that's a problem. Yeah. He's cutting people down from climbing rocks. It's a problem. He gets a little message on a carabiner that flies down to him. Smeared spoon him. They don't show it in the moment. He just kind of looks at it, and then he looks up, and this guy cuts the rope, and he... He ah! falls a long time. And then that's the first face shot of Timothy Dalton. Yeah. He's turning around. What was that? Um, so that's fun. Yeah. Um, I had a quick note on that just from when I was reading some of this. Um, it looks like they uh, they cast Frederick Wardner and Glenn Baker as 004 and 002 for that intro scene. Um, and it was due to their resemblance to uh, George Lazenby and Sir Roger Moore because mm. they wanted people to like if they you know weren't paying close enough attention or didn't recognize immediately not be sure who was going to be Bond. So I, I guess if you hadn't you yeah. know because they usually announce who's going to be <laughs> the actor in those movies before you know somehow. you see it. But if somehow you hadn't caught it, um, you know you would kind of be like, oh, is this a cameo by you know George Lazenby or something? Yeah. But yeah, Lazenby was like, right away. He's like halfway through that movie, he was like, "I won't be back." Yeah, which just makes me go, "Ah, eh, fuck Lazenby," <laughs> you know. Uh, so sniper. Oh, sorry. I don't know why I started reading that. So yeah, that guy shoots some people. Bond jumps on the truck full of explosives. There's a nice, uh, exciting ride down a mountain. Yeah, apparently that was also actually him and not an actor. Interesting. Or not, you know, stuntman. Stunt man. Yeah. yeah. He was an actor. Was not <laughs> I feel like that sounds like I'm talking shit. Timothy Dalton is not an actor. <laughs> I'm, I'm very sorry. But yeah, no, he was uh, he was actually the guy. Yeah, Timothy Dalton might be one of the few Bonds still alive. Well, I guess Brosnan's alive. Craig's alive. I don't know if Lazenby's still alive. I, I gotta check on that one. But Anyhow. Yeah, a little, easy, little 80s music to yeah. go with that chase down the mountain. You know, In case you forgot that this was filmed during the 80s. Yeah. It, it, just like, let's pull it reminded time. you pretty quick. I was like, oh, yes. Let's put a little time stamp on that. The 80s. Yeah. It was a bop. Huh? It was a bop. It was a bop. Yeah. So some ridiculous shit happens. And long story short... The boat drives off a cliff. James Bond has plenty of time to uh, wrestle with this guy and then set his parachute off and safely uh, evacuate himself from the SUV as the guy heads towards the water in the burning car of explosives. Yeah. Blows up before he hits the water. Killer air time on that scene, too. Killer he was falling for at least 60 minutes. Yeah, plenty of time. Yeah. Plenty of time to do whatever you need. And his parachute leads him conveniently to a boat with a lonely woman who's tired of all the playboys uh, <laughs> and wants a real man. And conveniently, James Bond, when you fucking need him, yeah, you know, swoops down onto the boat in his damaged parachute, says, I need your phone, says she'll call you back, gets on the phone, says, I'll report in an hour. She says, you aren't going to join me. He says, 
Better make that two. Yeah. It's like he proceeds to get his first check in the movie. It's it's like uh, Terminator. He's like, I need your phone, your boat, and your pussy. <laughs> <laughs> your phone, your champagne, and your vagina. Classic. Yeah. Uh, song's not a banger. Theme song, not quite like uh, it's no dance into the fire. No, that song like is just to a kill, top notch. But but um, it, it's fine. Yeah, it wasn't. It was no for your eyes only, which I was dreadfully disappointed with. I was pretty disappointed. But yeah, even just like the like the visuals for it, I like this one a little bit more this time around. They've been getting a little weird. I kind of prefer more of like the silhouette or like the uh, you know, there's like something kind of projected onto them. But when it's just like a shot of a gal just like sitting there, yeah, in a lot bath, of I'm just like I a don't, lot of straight up shots in this one. Yeah. yeah, I don't vibe with that quite as much. But overall, yeah, that song was it was chill, but it was it was pretty good. It wasn't a bad song. It was a good '80s song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this whole sniper scene, you might not get this reference, but maybe think Godfather Three, because the, the whole last twenty-ish minutes, maybe more, of Godfather Three, they're just kind of like sneaking around this opera. And you're like, what's going to happen? I don't know. Godfather 3 is really bad. Yeah. Uh, just going to Abraham Lincoln these guys. Uh, turns out Bond didn't shoot her because somehow his instinct told him that she was an amateur. Yeah. Well, you could tell by the way she was holding the gun and the way that he wanted to have sex with her. Yeah. He I knew that she wasn't a threat. Yeah. Uh, that, that's very that's kind of a highlighted point in this one a couple of times where he goes I go off instinct him and he's like well I have agents that follow orders not instincts and all along his instincts prove him right it's, yeah. it's a more serious Bond role they're very like I don't know they, they, they're very in favor the script was very in favor of Bond it wasn't just making him look like this <sighs> troublesome uh, uh, conniving, yeah. troublemaking, uh, pussy hound, like Roger Dude. Moore or uh, Sean Con, mostly Connery, I suppose. Roger Moore, I feel like they took a little more seriously, yeah. but not much. Like Bond, really hasn't been taken. He, he had super the eyes seriously. thing though. Like they spoke volumes. There just be these scenes where like he whips him around real quick, or he does like a slight eyebrow raise. Yeah, that's, that's gonna be a term on this show. Roger Moore eyes. Yeah, the Roger Moore eyes are definitely a thing. Yeah. <laughs> but you know so then he has the quote he has the title how do you how do you come up with his name for the movie it's said in one line you know the living like, whoever it was I scared the living daylights out of her yeah it's like that's not how people talk yeah uh, uh I should have researched that I don't know if Living Daylights is one of the Bond books. It's the last one until oh, Casino right. Royale. Okay. So, I did happen to look go. that up just now. Well, there you go. So, I guess that's how you get the title, and you yeah. just gotta... Just get, I wonder how it's like said in the book. in the book, yeah. yeah. That is really something we should go back and do, is, like, go back with, to the Bond book. I wonder if they're available, like, audio-wise. Probably. That would probably be easier. And then... We could relate the books to the movies and all that kind of shit. Yeah, see what wow, ends up. Wow, great podcast idea. Like, <laughs> like wow, well, hindsight's twenty twenty, huh? <laughs> um, pipeline seems cool. Even though... So they, they put him in this pod thing, and he just, like, you know, rockets down this pipe, 
but there's like a hard 90 degree turn that is physically impossible for that like pod that cylinder to make yeah it's a it's a very long and the, that 90 is just it's not gonna happen he would have yeah. just shot right out of that damn yeah. thing yeah no curve to it just like yeah yeah but that the seat overall was cool until logic took it and i was like oh this is sweet yeah, just this non-operational pipeline that's going on. Um, had his little help at the border. That uh, that woman, big, big hefty Russian gal, I assume Russian gal. I don't know, yeah. but for some reason working with the Brits. Yeah, working uh, nine to five, man. Working nine to five. Uh, to make a living. Sexually distracting the uh, <laughs> the operator of the pipeline. Yeah. So. So that Bond could get in, get out. And yeah, that whole scene was going. pretty funny. It's a good scene. It's a good scene. And I just the they're just her line at the end there. You know, she's like all over him, just like smothering him with her tits or whatever. Yeah. And then once she sees that he's safe, just gets up, zips herself up, be like, "What kind of woman do you think I am?" And just leaves. It's and he's Russian, just like Russian translation. Yeah. Ah, ah. <laughs> he's, he has the most confused boner. Like, what did I do? Um. Uh, and this is just me, I guess the. Uh, I wrote this down um, for whatever reason. I like Dalton a lot so far. Movie seems more serious, and I definitely see what they're talking about when Dalton said he plays Bond as more reluctant. That was just, I guess, my little pit stop of like, hey, progress report, guys. Yep. This is how I feel about it. Five check. <laughs> yeah. Uh, reports to uh, Q Branch, which is uh, Universal Exports uh, stationed somewhere in in Russia, I guess. I don't know. We have branches all over the world. We got branches everywhere, yeah. Um, (laughs) There's the ghetto blaster made for the Americans. It's a boombox, and then Uh, a rocket launcher comes out of it. That was the funniest shit. Um, (laughs) We're making it for the Americans. It's called a ghetto blaster. Thanks, Q. That was pretty good. Um, also, in the uh, the trivia side of things, um, I guess they had the uh, the royal family visit, and uh, one of the members of the royal family actually got to activate it. It was like an offset switch that shot the rocket. Oh, nice. So one of them got to do it. Um, I can't find it right away, but that was a thing that happened. They were just visiting the set, and they just let them flip the switch. Nice. Um. Oh, it was Prince Charles. I just found it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so it gives Money Penny a nice slap on the ass, and that's the subtitle. It's <laughs> Pat's buttocks. Yeah, I love that. You can see the the desire in her eyes. It's uh, uh, new Money Penny. She's cute. Yeah, she's the, cute. the chemistry was definitely there too, which is nice. It didn't feel like they were just like, all right, we need a hot blonde, and like that's where they stopped the planning. Like it definitely seemed like there was at least a little bit of natural chemistry between the two of them talking and yeah she's a she's a dime piece it would have been kind of funny to me if they made her old just then, like, like just really old, shit old. <laughs> but still and the bond, same level of horny yeah <laughs> same level and bond the same level of reciprocating yeah like he always has gosh that would actually be really good yeah um so money penny wants him to come listen to her barry manilow collection if uh you know, since he's such a big fan of music, because he asked her to look up the uh, cello player. Right. Cello. Cello there. Uh, and he smacks her on the ass and says, uh, maybe some other time. Or I don't remember exactly what he says there, but no big deal. 
Koskov uh, is taken back after uh, Bond and company have a little meeting at, uh, I don't know what that was, M's house? Yeah. Uh, the the Britain. Like, it, it seemed castle. almost, like, too casual to be, like, like a, bilit- like a military political building. Right. But, like, you know, they had, like, a little bit, like, there was a lot of armed guards there. A lot. So it's like I don't, I don't, I didn't really understand what that scene or what that area was. I don't know. It's got to be some kind of yeah I mean, pseudo military compound, I guess. I don't if know. That's the Britain Banquet <laughs> Castle. If that's the, I don't know. I, I I'm know. at a. I'm oh, at a that's loss. that's just the castle, you know. That if there's ever a coup, you know, we have we take that guy there. We give him some dinner. You know, it's a good time. Yeah, it's the coup castle. <laughs> the coup castle. Uh, we, we served the cuckoo platter, you know, instead of the poo-poo platter. That was bad, I'm sorry. It's pretty bad. So, uh, you know, he reveals this this fake plot, as it turn, will turn out later, of uh, Pushkin wanting to uh, kill all the spies. Death to all spies. Yeah, fuck those spies. Smear, spoon, whatever the fuck. Sperm. Smirnoff. Smart sperm. Sponsored by Smirnoff. <laughs> Sponsored by Smirnoff. Uh, and so they all leave. And they, they show them all, you know, caravanning out of there. And as soon as that happens, uh, Nir, Nir, oh, fuck, what's that guy's name? Nirok or some shit like that. Uh, Necros. 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 Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah. Took me a second there. I was like, Necros. I was like, Nirok. For whatever reason, I Naruto. That's it. Oh, Naruto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that anime is just copying everything. Yeah. Um, let's just talk about explosive milk. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Like, just number one, just like this guy's entry into it, he's just like, oh, oh, oh I'm the milkman. Like, he's just got his headphones on. Stepping back even a little bit before, where he strangled out the first dude with his headphone cables. Like, obviously, like Sony or Philips, whoever, has some high tech technology involved in these headphones because he's just fucking strangling the shit. Yeah. We've all owned headphones like that. Those things snap at nothing. So you might be able to strangle them with like some modern day iPhone headphones, maybe, but not nineteen eighty-seven, eighty-six, eighty-seven headphones. Yeah, like those things God. were roughly made of paper. There's no way. But yeah, so he takes out that guy, assumes the milkman identity, just like fucking cruises in. Minimum security check. They put a finger in his butt. There's no nuke, so he's good to go. Good to go. Uh, and he's he's just got the milk bombs, like, and then I I just I was so baffled seeing the first one because you know he has a little scuffle, picks up the milk <laughs> the milk bottle, just chucks it and it explodes. Yeah, it's like how how did we get a serious Bond movie, but yet like one of our first scenes involves exploding milk. Yeah, uh, somewhere in there there's a lactose intolerant joke <laughs> that they completely missed. Yeah. Really, really missed that for a Bondism. Yes, yes, they did. Um, so that whole thing happens. Koskov gets taken back. They're disguised as doctors. Uh, there's a recurring thing in this movie where I thought a lot of dudes should have accidentally been walking into the line of uh, vehicles yeah. and getting hit. This dude's backing away from the helicopter all scared. This car like coming down the path. Several vehicles have just been driving by. Somehow he doesn't back all the way up. There's a guy in the way of a trolley. There's 
there's so much going on. I, I just I thought it would have been a if there was a spoof of this movie, everyone would everyone been got hit, hit by yeah. a car in this one. I, I hope there were at least some some blooper scenes or something where these guys just got like just, just fucking flattened. Yeah. Um. So the meeting after all that. Real quick, just on that. The Minister uh, of Defense, M, and James Bond all caravan out of there, right? Not two minutes later is there exploding milk and alerts and alarms going on. There's a lot going on over there. You know, you would just think maybe Bond... <laughs> What's happening yeah. back there? Well, honestly, like, just the... Kind of the way, like, he exited. Like, I felt like he was going to stick around and, like, come in and, like... Like, interact with it, and that's when he would have picked up and maybe had, like, some suspicions that things weren't the way they were. Right. Like, that would have kind of set up some of this stuff. But, yeah, just like the, okay, bye! And then he they had just suspicions leave. as he was putting the yeah. thing in his jacket, and he's going, hmm. So, like, that that would have been an excellent time to build that up just a little bit more, but maybe that was to make it less obvious to us. Continue building the rivalry between, uh, ne- God, um, Necros. Necros and, and Bond there. Because, you know, they have a couple confrontations, but the one at the end was pretty much the main thing. You could have built that up. Yeah. Uh, I'm noticing that... I, don't, I just came to this realization where really what we're doing on these podcasts is just trying to punch up movies. <laughs> like, you know, it's like post the movie coming out and we're trying to punch up the script. Yeah. You know? I don't know. That's just an interesting thought I had. <laughs> Anyhow... So the Minister of Defense in the meeting after all this happens says, We're the laughing stock of the intelligence community. As is tradition. <laughs> Which, if there's an intelligence community, then it's not very intelligent, right? Yeah. Because you don't just walk around talking about your intelligence and your spy stuff. But, you know? Yeah. That's the whole purpose. It's supposed to be secret. You're like, you think they just have, around. like, a representative from every country, and it's like, You guys know, want to know what my spies are doing this week? Like, they're trying to, like, not, like, out themselves, but, like, still show off. But still, yeah, they really got a sense of pride about what's going on. It's like, uh, hey, Russia, what are you guys doing this week, huh? Russia's just like, we are doing training exercises this week. Everybody, a lot of training exercise reports (laughs) in the intelligence meetings with everybody. Oh, oh, training exercises. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So that's goofy to me. Uh, so they have their whole meeting. That's when Bond gets roasted about intelligent or instinct over orders, yada yada. Um, he goes and he follows our girl Kara, who is the cello player, not with, the violinist, not the violinist. As yeah, as Timothy Dalton wishes, or as Bond wishes, she would have taken up the violin. Yeah. And Harley says later, "You'll catch that later." Um, KGB uh, take her from the train trolley whatever you want to call it monorail no not They're monorail a- yeah. something I don't know what do you want to call it ah, whatever we'll call, we're calling it the trolley I can live with trolley take her from the trolley she leaves the cello case containing her gun and Bond takes it puts it in the river, the river. and finds her apartment because her address is in there you know how you leave cars with your addresses laying around. I get it. Music shops, whatever. Kara, address, phone number, blah, blah, blah. Damn. 
it's the, it's the 80s. We weren't, you know, we weren't stalking people quite yet. Yeah. Less dangerous. Uh, you know, he finds the bullets in the gun. They were blanks, which I guess doesn't make them bullets. They're blank rounds. Uh, just starts lying to this poor girl right off the bat. Thanks, Coast. Uh, Koskov has sent for her, that he's friends with Koskov, and uh, he is not. He is uh, having sex with her under false pretenses. Yeah, uh, as is tradition. As is tradition. I was like, here we go, James Bond movie! Yeah. Back in the saddle. Uh, they use the trolley as cover to have them leave. Uh, cello case in the booth, hat and jacket on it. Yeah. Once the trolley passes, car takes off. Bada bing, bada boom, we're in business. This is pretty much one of the only scenes I was able to call this time around. Yeah, yeah, usually like 90 for 100, <laughs> 90% on the uh, calls, but they were a little less predictable, which yeah, is they, why I kind of like this one a little more. Six and a half seemed low to me when Harley gave it that score, but... Yeah, he's a little rushed. If he thinks about it, he'll probably give a revised review. Yeah, he might. But I'm a, this one got a little higher for me, but we'll talk about that later. Sure. Um... And then she says, oh, we have to get my cello. It's back at the some Russian word for concert hall. And uh, he goes, no way. And then the next shot is him waiting outside for her at the concert hall. Yeah. And then them trying to shove it in the back seat. And he says, you should have learned to play the violin. Yeah. I it's feel about like as close as we got to Bondisms in this movie is yeah. him just being like mad and saying things yeah. like that. Uh, and then next, here's what I wrote. We could be dicks about the car chase scene and him getting out of the house on the lake like he did, or the tireless wheel cutting the perfect circle in the ice. But you know what? The gadgets and the car were cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, I definitely. Let's not kill it too hard. <laughs> I, I, I really didn't give a shit. Like, w like when he was dragging the house around, I was like, okay, why did he not just, like, blow through it? And then he was somehow able to drive through, through it when he needed to it. Yeah. Um, but, like, cutting the hole in it, like, with the tire that, uh, like, popped, I thought that was sick. Thick ice, tired, like, not maybe thick. a quarter of an inch in No that way ice. it works. Yeah. The laser on the car was cool. Yeah. The missile launcher, rocket launchers, whatever. The spikes in the tires, you know, getting on the ice, and yep. the, you know, the little sleds that come we out. We got, like, the whole the arsenal in a pretty, like, tight time frame quick. there. It was, it was good. So let's not be dicks, but uh, a couple close to Bond-isms here. Uh, what happened? Salt corrosion when the uh, car just comes off the frame because right. they used the laser on it. Uh, I've had a few optional extras installed when... The rocket launcher aimers are projected on the windshield, right. so that's fun. Uh, bullets hit the glass. He says, "Amazing, this modern safety glass." Because you have to remember, he just supposedly he's just some bystander that's a friend of Koskov's that's sent for. So right, uh, there's no reason to think he's necessarily like a spy or like a uh, you know trained agent or anything. Right, uh, and then you know they have to use. The car gets crashed in the snow, and then they have to use the violin case, or the, excuse me, the cello, cello case, case as a sled, and then they're holding the cello, and of course, God, it just looks shot. That that I definitely do have a complaint with, because like yeah, there's really there is no that. way a any James Bond is going to be like, all right, we're going to use this cello case, but I have to keep the cello. 
okay. Like, there's there's no timeline where he's just like, I'm gonna awkwardly carry this fucking cello yeah. while we slide down at a quarter mile of an hour of this hill while getting shot at. There's just no way. Like, I can no. barely feel for them, like, using it as a sled to go down, but I, I just don't see James actually... I completely agree with that. ...carrying it on his way down. He'd been like, fuck this cello and fuck you. Either I leave the cello or I leave both of you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm completely okay with that complaint. <laughs> um, and then, you know, they get there. He says, duck. He throws the cello over the gate. So extra. catches it and says, we have nothing to declare except the cello. Which is like, this This girl is the most airheaded girl I think we've had in a while. Maybe in all the Bond films. Yeah. Most airheaded girl. Although the redhead in Diamonds Are Forever was pretty fucking ditzy. Did you watch Diamonds Are Forever? Okay. Diamonds Are Forever, probably my favorite Connery movie. Although, watching You Only Live Twice again the other day, I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Slaps. But, uh, uh, there's a certain nostalgia for Connery I get now that we've gone through all the Connery and then Ben and Roger Moore complained about stuff. And then go back and look at Connery, and it's like, you know, Connery's just fun. Yeah. Well, and like I kind of mentioned, like, when, you know, now that I I kind of started with Roger Moore and then go backwards a bit and and watch some of the Sean Carter ones, I'm like, like, now that I have, like, this completely different mindset involved with watching these, I'm like, Sean Connery, you bastard. You're the fucking man, Connery. Yeah. (laughs) Just romping around, fucking bitches, Drinking, smoking, shooting once in a while. Yeah, like I truly believe that Connery smoking in all these movies had nothing to do with being James Bond. But I yeah, think, like, I think Sean Connery was just like, I need to smoke. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But uh, villains are always living it up. I mean, come to Koskov and you know, neck gross, neck gross. That's how I remember that now. Because of his gross neck. His gross neck, which is not gross. He's. Actually, a flawless human being would be a Nazi super soldier had he lived in Germany. Uh, Hitler would have loved this guy. Yeah. Looks great. Uh, But they're always living it up. There's girls rubbing his thighs by the pool, rubbing the suntan lotion on him. Mm -hmm. Necros is swimming in the pool. Just ladies everywhere. His fucking Speedo on. Ladies everywhere. Yeah. And then they got to go report. That lady was running by the pool, and I'll have you know that was a very dangerous act. Very dangerous. I really feel like they should have had a lifeguard on duty. That would have been good for a bond, but just some lifeguard. Like, hey! No running! Yeah. But that's that's the good part about, you know, villain uh, villain pools is no rules. So, Brad Whitaker, he's a real douche. Uh, you know, he's... He's this arms dealer. The, the plot thickens. The plot always thickens. It's the thickest plot. Uh, just when you thought it's over, Billy Mays it here. gets it gets real thick. Uh, n- more near the end. Um, and you know Brad uh, Brad Whitaker. He's sitting there eating lobster when he's talking to him. Just really tearing. God, it like it, it's it's like visceral the way he's attacking this thing. Like he's just like, fuck. <laughs> like buddy, it's already dead. Like. Yeah. The meal is not going to be able to escape you. We need to kill Pushkin. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bond gets his second shag of the movie on the Ferris wheel. The first was with the boat girl. Uh, Imagine being, like, you know, someone who gets to have sex with James Bond, and, like, that's that's your title. I'll be like, oh, which one were you? Oh, I was boat girl. Yeah. It's like... Yeah. Well, the part about that is at least you own your own boat, right? 
It's true. She's still gonna be fine after he she's, leaves. Yeah, she's gonna. She was already doing all right. Yeah. yeah. She just gets to be like, well, one time Bond popped James onto my boat. Onto my boat. That was weird. A boat. A boat. A boat. She wouldn't be successful if she's walking around calling it a boat. All right. So second shag, uh, Saunders. He's a real buzzkill. Says Bond is up to all sorts of suspect uh, activity. Uh, comes through with a fake passport for her, and uh, some information about Brad Whitaker, Koskov. Proves Bond right. Yeah. And then uh, Balloon Guy, which is Necros in this one. Gross Neck. Gross Neck. He, uh, he's rigged the door. He's got a little <laughs> control on it. Kills him with the sliding glass door. Yeah. Which, that, Bond is that was just bad shit. Furious. Like, I, I, I kind of wanted to go back and, like, freeze frame on it. Because I was like, why is... Like, how would he have set it up, number one, without anybody, like, having any suspicion of him? Yeah. Like number two, just the mechanism itself just looked batshit. The balloon, the balloon man is also the door repairman. Yeah. Like, hey, get away from that! No, 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 I'm door repairman, no problem. He's got like the patch where it's like you know balloon guy, and he rips it off, and it says maintenance. Yeah. Why are you still holding the balloon? I like balloons. I like balloons. So Saunders gets killed. Bond sees balloons. (laughs) It's about. Claps this like eight year old kid. He cut the gun like it's drawn. He hops over this thing and the gun is in his hand out. It wasn't pointing at the kid, thank God. Like I swear, nearly he's like right here, I, and then the kid's like, ah, and he's he like, could have wanted you know curved the bullet and popped all three of those balloons, him and his mom, in one shot. That's he just was, what Bond does. He was that ready for it, but I I, I was kind of shocked on that because. You know, Bond usually doesn't let himself get that carried away. You know, he usually has at least a little bit of a calm demeanor, and that was like, wow, like, he's, like, kind of pissed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pulls the gun on the kid. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking rip. Um, Pushkin, you know, he he tracks Pushkin down. Got a secret watch button. Brief side tit to distract the security guard. Mm -hmm. Takes his lady's robe off. Security guard walks in. He's like... Mommy! <laughs> and, uh... That wasn't just weird. If you've seen Austin Powers, the, uh... If you watched Austin Powers by Shag Me, you understand that joke. Yeah. If not, go watch it. Great movie. And then watch our podcast or listen to our podcast uh, reviewing it. So, I uh, don't know why I just tapped the microphone stand. That was not cool. Sorry. Sorry. You tippity-tap tip all kinds of shit around know, here. I know. I'm a fidgeter. I'm a fidgeter. Might as well just um, bring your drum kit in here. <laughs> That'd be an interesting feature. Well, let's, let's mic you up. Every time somebody laughs, I just like... Um, so, brief side tit. Very... Like, we haven't had any slip-ups in a couple movies. And that was definitely, like... Oh, there's a little nipple. Yeah, there was, there was a nipple there. Very obvious. Um, and then he's about to... Uh, Really execution style Pushkin, and Pushkin starts kind of, you know, negotiating for his life. Yeah, and he tells Pushkin, or Pushkin's like, "Well, I guess I have to die then." So they fake Pushkin's death because Koskov was saying that Pushkin should die, and yada yada. They had to make it believable that like Bond felt that he was supposed to kill him and was kind of falling into their hands. Yes. So he plays right into their hands. And that's probably the smartest thing Bond's done in a few movies. 
<laughs> so he runs and runs. And uh, these girls pick him up. And he's uh, he goes, oh, let me out here. We'll party some other time. Starts getting some money out. They put a gun to his head. He says, not enough. Take it all. And they said, just enjoy the ride. Turns out they work for the CIA. And they were sent by Felix Leiter to fetch him. This is uh, Felix Leiter's... Um, first appearance in a couple movies. Yeah, about I think the since the Live and Let Die. Um, played here by John Terry. The only appearance. Um, Dr. No was played by Jack Lore. Goldfinger by... I've never decided how you're supposed to say this name, but I've never looked it up. C-E-C is the name, so I don't know if it's Czech, Keck, Sek. I'm, I, my guess is Seklinder, but I don't know. But that's who he's portrayed by in Goldfinger. Thunderball by Rick Van Nutter. Diamonds Are Forever by Norman Burton. Live and Let Die by David Hedison. And he returns as Felix Slater one more time in License to Kill, uh, which is our next movie. Uh, and then Felix is a character four more times in the series uh, obviously the next movie like I said by David Hedison and then uh, Casino Royale Quantum of Solace and No Time to Die all of those by Jeffrey Wright so that is the Felix Leiter bit I always bring it up every time there's a Felix Leiter because he's not in everything so. right it's kind of nice to have you know that the American side in just a small amount of ways that they're like hey we're we're here yeah I mean Felix is like I think that, uh, I don't remember if we were talking about on Live and Let Die or one of the earlier ones, but basically Felix, I think, is supposed to be kind of the more incompetent American version of Bond who is just not quite as good. Yeah. You know? like, I, I mean, he obviously is doing well for himself. Portrayals. He's still got two hot chicks, you know, working with him today. But. Yeah. I think that's what the early portrayals are supposed to be is, is uh, um, yeah. Felix oh. Ryder, I'm Bond, right? And it's like, no, Bond's so much better than you. Yeah. Yeah. Discount James Bond. Discount American version James Bond. Uh, Bond gets captured because Kara was still a sucker for, for Georgi Koskov. Uh, I realize we haven't said his full yeah. name on this one. Well, yet. you know, they did it that way, too. Like, they were yeah, it was Koskov for like a hot minute, and then we it got was Georgi. Once, uh, once Bond meets her at her apartment. Yeah. Right before they take off in the cello case and all that. Uh, so she put chloral hydrate in his drink. Love a good chloral hydrate cocktail. One of my favorites. <laughs> so, <laughs> transporting diamonds uh, within ice. Uh, it's supposed to be an organ transplant cooler. And so they've hid diamonds in the ice. There's a heart, it's a hold. But it's an animal heart. It's not a human heart because I guess human hearts are harder to get a hold of. I don't know. Never tried. Yeah. Um, what was the point of like keeping the heart alive though? Like the heart didn't actually have to do anything. It was about. I think they gotta. I mean, they gotta make it look legit, right? I guess. I don't know. It, it just seemed weird because I, I, mean, I guess they did open it up and check it, and they were like, "Oh, you know, keep it sterile or everything." So I guess that was part of like the inspection. Oh, do you keep a heart beating when you're transporting it? Typically, I don't know. I think that might have just been to make it look cool. Maybe it was the '80s; they didn't really know much. They're just like, "Yeah, eh, they've done heart surgery." The no, what I mean, or like you know, transportations and whatnot. But as far as tra- I don't know, man, I, I can't imagine they would have had to keep it pumping because the only use for it to pump is to pump blood. 
Right. So like if it's not doing that, then maybe just a cheesy Bond thing. Yeah. Where they're just they're like this would look cool being over dramatic about it. Yeah. I don't know. Still beating heart. <laughs> be still, my heart. No, seriously, be still. <laughs> just like pats it. Stop. Stop. Be still. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Smothers it with a pillow. Uh, Bond literally. <laughs> I like Bond in this one because he's literally like, "Why didn't you kill me?" Like, kind of calling out the building. You're yeah. so stupid. Why didn't you kill me? You do this every time. <laughs> yeah. Awesome powers. Um, and then the guy says, "I'm not a barbarian." And I'm taking you to the proper Soviet authorities, and yada yada yada. Plot, plot. He's plot. absolutely a barbarian, though. Yeah. Uh, escapes prison, prison because of his trusty keyring. Um, which we haven't talked about keyring yet. That's the main gadget of the movie that Q gave him. Um, it's a whistling keyring, so if he does the first lines of what was that song? Something Britannica. Yeah. You know, that whole deal. Then it... Um, stung uh, gas. Larissa's stung gas. And that's how he beat up a bunch of prison guards. and So that was fun. And then... It they uh, was, uh, were definitely going to rape that girl. Yes. They were very yes, rapey at her. And it was... It was a very was uh, rough. extreme Russian prison. And a small jail, really. Yeah. Not a pr- prison. Prison's right, like the long-term, full-scale stuff, right? Yeah. And then jail's just kind of temporary. Yeah. But even, I mean, you know, jails are more than three cells right. lined well, up after each other, I guess. But yeah. But given depends what we see right out. after this with, you know... We're at a Russian, Af- Russian air base in the middle of Afghanistan, as yeah. he says to Kara. I feel like they need escape. to... We're free! <laughs> we're at a Russian air base in the middle of Afghanistan, Kara. We're not free. And she's like, well, at least we're together. I'm like, it's like, you fucking great. idiot, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, together with anybody but you would have been a lot better, Kara, because you are the biggest fucking airhead. Um, he should have just locked her in the cell and left. So the trusty key ring gets him out of this situation, lets this other dude out, and if he wouldn't save that guy, then, uh, you know, these uh, his, his dudes would have killed him. Yeah, because as uh, soon as they escape, they jump the fence, his dudes are like, you know, there and, you know, hiding and shit. They come out, and yeah, they would have just murked him right away if... Homeboy wasn't there. I'm forgetting his name already. It was Cameron. Yes. Cameron something. Cameron. Like Shaw or Sham or something. Yeah. Last names are important. Yeah. Because I don't know Kara's last name. I, I struggle so much with the names. I should write them. Well, because they're all temporary characters and they go away immediately. Very It's disposable. not like you have to leave. It's not like you have. Like, you know the fixtures. You know, Money yeah. Penny, Bond, M, Q. After that, you know, if there's a Felix Leiter portrayal, then you got Felix. After that, you know, you don't know. I still miss BJ. Wait, BJ? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He was a bird. Octopussy. Yeah. He was good. He was good, dude. Too soon. Too soon. Had a lot of good Bondisms. He did. Um, <laughs> so, that guy saves the lives. He said, I told him you're not Russian. They're not going to kill you now. And then she says, they don't kill us now. What about later? And he says, they'll save you for the... Okay, so... This is what I'm wondering. If there's a, such a thing as a harem, because that's what Timothy Dalton says. That's what the subtitle says. That's what the subtitle says. I was figuring he meant harem. Yeah. 
harem makes sense just given the context of the conversation, but you, you said you kind of looked it up, a couple Google searches, wasn't anything was too like obvious, so. Called harem, like, so I wasn't real sure, I know, I know that harem's like a, yeah, a woman thing. It's, it's a gaggle of women. <laughs> yeah, so, I imagine that's what he meant, and maybe Timothy Dalton's just stupid. Yeah. But if you, the listener, have any more insight on this, let us know if we're idiots. Shoot us an email. We might have just been missing the obvious. Hotline, yahoo.com. Okay. Um. <laughs> so, they're, uh, they take off in the morning. She calls him a horse's ass because she doesn't want him to die. But some it's some Russian word, and... You ass of, or butt of a horse. Yeah, and uh, they're taking off with the crew in the morning to uh, do some stuff, and then go after Koskov, and um, so he's investigating these uh, sacks that all have these, uh, you know, you ever got health in a video game? It's you know, it looks like, like that. The red you know, cross that, and yeah, well, it's red and like I guess the cross is white, right? Yeah, or the color of the bag rather. Or yeah, I don't know. Anyway, not important. Bunch of health packs just low, lying around. Low health packs just everywhere. Bond goes and punctures one with a knife and tastes it per usual, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's <laughs> raw. Oh, um. Which would I just I the Harley did that when we did the when we watched Fear Eyes Only and that just makes me laugh every time I think about it. And I think it would have been really funny if Bond just kinda like trips out. It's like, oh man. Yeah, we don't know much about opium, but we hope just enough to taste it is enough to just like flatline you and get you <laughs> fucked up. And it would be nice to see James reacting that way. I just I have this funny visual of James just kinda like trying to like scoop it and like put it <laughs> in his pocket, you know, and then he's just got liquid in his pocket and later he just Save goes this like for later. <laughs> um so, you know, this whole thing happens, right? Bond you know, confronts Cameron. He's like, oh, you're just selling opium? And he's like, keep it down. The head of the Snow Leopard gang's over there. And you're like, who's the Snow Leopards? I don't, I'm confused. Which I guess is what that whole gang is. And then he's like, the head is over there. And then you don't mess with the Snow Leopards, Cameron says. So, because, you know, Bond's suggesting, well, what if the opium never gets there? Somehow opium, this, this is what I said, the plot thickens once more. You know? Because now there's opium involved. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to get money for this arms Roughly trade. half a half a billion and half a billion or a quarter billion I believe worth of opium. Yeah, they used billion as some sort of measurement. Quarter, yeah. whether it be quarter or half. A shit ton of just a lot of, of opium, opium yeah. was used. And um, somehow that's involved. He's using the diamonds to pay for the opium. And then they're going to sell the opium for a lot of money. Because and then they're going to make the arms deal yeah, with you, more money. You remember all, all the conversations they had before. He's like, look at all this advanced weaponry. You know, right before they canceled the deal. He's like, we got all this shit. This shit's expensive. So he's funding all this stuff by doing this. He's getting the diamonds. Diamonds trade for the opium. He goes back and he sells all the opium. Makes a shit ton of profit. And then he's able to do and fund all these arms deals. Yeah. It's a lot. 
And we just, I don't know that we need to make the plot that. Yeah. It seemed like it was just, well... When you're an hour in, and Bond's captured on the plane with Kara... Yeah. I feel like the movie could have ended 20 minutes later. Yeah. We were definitely like, we could have approached the end shortly after that. Have an escape sequence, down your bad guys, bang the girl, we're good to go. Yeah. I'm never sure where the climax in these Bond movies are because it's always like, you got captured. Oh, but th- but oh, there's another point in the plot. And you, all right, so where is it? It's like on the uh, 13th time he was captured in this movie, <laughs> right. we were able to reach the climax. Yeah. Part one. Um, and it's, I don't know, I feel like, I don't know, there's just this war that breaks out. Literally like a, a, a battle. Yeah. It's like a Civil War battle because there's horses and shit, you know, and... So you have, like, the... Uh, all this chaos. Those, like, Afghan guys fighting uh, the fighting Russians Russian and everything. Dudes. Which, like, it's just rough because, you know, they have guns and stuff, but, like, they're just dudes on horses. The Russians have, like, tanks and everything. Like, it's just, it's just rough. They, realistically, they should have all been dead in, like, four minutes. Yeah. And Bond should have just been captured once well, more. it was kind of silly, you know, like, at, at least, you know, when they were on, like, the airstrip there, like, they kind of had the element of surprise. Yes. Uh, you know, and then they should have, like, commandeered all of their shit and then left the horses. Because <laughs> the horses are horses. They're made of horse. Yeah. They are not... R.I.P. to those horses. A lot of, a lot of broken horse legs. And yeah. It was, it was a rough, it was a rough, rough. time. But... Um... So all of that, Bond ends up on a plane, because he stows away in the back of the opium truck, and then he's helping load opium onto the plane, and then he has a bomb, and he sets the bomb, and then they go, oh, it's Bond, and then they start shooting back and forth, but then Koskovs goes, wait, don't shoot at the plane, you'll hurt the plane. And, and then, that's the plane with the opium. That's the plane with the opium, so you don't want to be damaging all your opium. Raw. Raw. <laughs> hey James, what kind of opium is it? Raw. You okay there, buddy? I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> I need a nap. <laughs> um, so, you know, he gets in a bit of a conflict there. He shuts the doors. The dudes run away. He's out of bullets, but they don't want to shoot at the plane. He gets the plane to take off. They leave the blocks on the ground. He's trying to... <laughs> he's, just, he's, like, driving forward, backing up, and driving the plane forward, trying to get... There's almost the Austin Powers scene of trying to spin the uh, little car around. Yeah. So, that's fun. And then, you know, Kara finally abandons her horse, and she gets into the battle. Her horse, you know, there's an explosion. Her horse throws her off. She commandeers a jeep, almost hits Koskov. That's another example of yeah. someone I wish would have just got hit. And then we immediately did hit one of the Russian dudes who hopped on uh, on front of it there, and she's luckily she had the windshield wipers. Windshield wipers, to get that big yeah. bug off the off the windshield. So she catches up to the plane, and she's like James, and he's like he's like get to the go go back. And you know he's got the he's got the ramp open, and he's like, "Go, go around to the back." You know, of course he can't. Yeah, she can't hear him, but he's doing hand gestures. Come on, you know, and use your big brain. Kind of, huh? And then you see this moment where James 
Just, like, turns exasperated. Away, turns away from the window and goes, oh my god, god. Like, I gotta believe he's mouthing, like, god damn it. Like, just... <laughs> and so then finally she's just like... Rolls up the non-existent window on this plane. <laughs> Get in the back! <laughs> Imagine he's almost like, right, so if I just turn a little left. Can I get her with the propeller? <laughs> he's like, I'll fucking do it. I'll fucking do it. Yeah, okay. Don't have to worry about you anymore. She finally gets it. She gets the idea after just waving like a fool for two minutes. She goes to the back. That door's still open from when uh, James is firing at everybody, which would have thought he would have shot real quick before getting on whatever. Cost Cove and neck gross. Pull up alongside. Necros gets in there before the plane takes off. And then another plane's coming onto the runway. Bond, of course, Master Pilot, gets right above the plane. They they very narrowly miss each other. Yeah. Failure on both both parts of theirs, you know? It's like, I feel like you as the landing plane should have been like, been like there appears to be on. a war. <laughs> you want to you <laughs> go that? Land? He's, like, he's just like... <laughs> Scheduled time of arrival was 8.23. It's 8.23. He's like, dude, I'm late. We gotta land. We gotta land this fucking plane. It's like, there's explosions and shit. I don't think that they're gonna care if we're a couple minutes late. He's like, I'm landing this plane. Okay. And then he's like, wait, there's another plane on the runway. It's like, I think we gotta land the plane, man. Help <laughs> <laughs> me. Help me. <laughs> he's playing plane chicken. <laughs> And he won the most dangerous version. And then lost immediately because James Whoa. takes off. He runs into a jeep, and they explode. We we saw the explosion kind of at the side because it didn't go into the cockpit, right? It went through like the the wing. I, I think so. I, they so might they might have lived. They might <laughs> they might have lived. But it's like, are you happy we we're supposed to bring? I I don't know. Name something. All this vodka back, and now the vodka's exploded. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, that makes sense. You know, so you've got the Russian soldiers. They probably the needed their vodka. Yeah. And uh, somehow Koskov survives that explosion, which should not have happened. I mean, you saw that explosion. It, just, it engulfs everything. Yeah, and he's just got he like a little bit of burn he's on got his a little, face. Ah! Yeah. Um, and then he drives away, jumps out of the Jeep, and then the Jeep explodes with a plane wing stuck to it. Didn't make a lot of sense. Everybody should have been dead. Whatever. It's Bond. What What are you going to do? Um, so, yeah. So, Necros is on the plane. And, uh, he... You know, Bond says, hold the plane steady. Takara, which we'll get into it after he comes to the front of the plane. But, uh, he goes to the back to... Where are you going? To defuse a bomb. Goes back there. Excuse me. He's looking for the bomb. And uh, Necros pops out and tries to strangle Bond's neck, fittingly, right? Mm -hmm. Neck gross. It's like, now your neck is gross. Mm -hmm. Yeah, make your neck gross. And, uh, yeah, you got the hiccups all of a sudden. Little burps. All my rooster's gas from earlier is just mm -hmm. coming up right now, which yeah. is not what I wanted, you know? We ate that like three hours, four hours, four and a half hours ago, so it's kind of not fun. Yeah. Anyway. Just keep it together, we're live. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, we're live? Oh, shit. <laughs> Um, so, so he's back he's you know struggling around with Necros 
For some reason, she's up there just pressing buttons. She goes down. Oh, down. Yeah. And so the door just opens in the back of the plane. And every, you know, Necros and Bond are falling out. All the opium's let loose. There's opium sacks all around Afghan. Yeah. There's people finding opium and getting rich. Rumor is there's still some opium there to this day. So if you're ever in Afghanistan, search the desert. You'll find just a bag of raw opium. Yeah. And so, you know, they figured out. Bond reaches to the net, punches dude, right? Bond gets back up top. He's climbing. Uh, Necros pulls out a knife, goes for Bond, hits opium instead of Bond. Bond somehow gets the knife from him. He just got opium all over it. And I just really want to like, like this stop scene. Stop it! <laughs> stop it! Really stop it! <laughs> so what happens is Necros is only holding on to Bond's shoe when there's all this net. Which that was the part that didn't make the most sense. I was I was just so frustrated. Movie. Like this this guy had done like a pretty decent job of like getting the job done. Like he seemed at least like pretty intelligent. Like this guy wasn't an idiot. But yet here he was, he's got all these grab holds he could do to make sure he's not going to fall off. And he's sitting there holding James' boot, just pleading, like, please, no, no. don't do it. It's like, you fucking Pop-Tart, just grab one of the ropes and don't die. It's not that hard. Bond cuts the laces, shoe falls off, he falls, I really would have liked to see Bond have cut the laces and then just go like, nah. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you... That's in my version of yeah. Or, you know, even better if, like, the whole thing was just coated in opium, then he finds an excuse to, like, you know, put it in his mouth so he can use both hands. He's like, ah. He's climbing up. He's like, oh. Uh, <laughs> <And> just, <laughs> just has to catch himself. He's like, oh, 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 come on, come on. <laughs> um, so he gets back up front. Or, actually, not yet. He gets up. Gets the door closed, and then all of a sudden he hears beeping still. And of course, like, I guess your immediate thought is out of all those fucking sacks of opium that flew out of the back of his plane, one of them couldn't have been the bomb. He's like, ah, shit. He gets the bomb. Four seconds left. Love a bomb with a good off switch, right? Yeah, well, it it required two buttons. That was the the thing, you know. If the Russians tried to do it, they probably would have blown themselves up. But, But yeah, ten seconds left on it. It's like, okay, we want this bomb to start beeping. So then that they know that there's a bomb. Like, it ruins all surprise and suspense of it. Yeah. So, um... That's the whole thing. Bond defuses the bomb with, like, a second to go. Um, Gets to the front of the plane. And, uh, she goes, Where's Necros? And he goes, He got the boot. Which, the only really good Bond is in the movie. And... <laughs> As he's saying that Bondism, he goes, he got the boot! <laughs> and then, cause it's funny because he comes up to the cockpit and she's looking out in the front of the plane, just, oh, everything's fine. <laughs> driving Miss Daisy. Just just driving. And then she goes, and she turns back, where's Necros? Because that cliff didn't come out of fucking nowhere, bitch. Yeah. Okay? You were looking at that plane. She was beelining for the thing. Goes, she was like, I really hope he gets back soon because I don't know how to go up. I don't know how to go up. I watched him go up. I don't know how to go up. 
Hey, where's Necros? He got the boots! And she's like, ah! And then he gets there and barely pulls up enough. <laughs> Just the most ridiculous fucking thing. Oh, man. Um, so, you know, gets it under control. <sighs> she's by far the most airheaded Bond girl we've had. Probably ever, yeah. but definitely for a while. She wanted the best. Um... Okay. So then he sees his Afghan buddies uh, in some trouble. You know, the Russians are kind of chasing him off. Bond says, this time hold it steady. Yeah. I like that, like, he's frustrated with the goal. He's like, if, swear to God, if you crash this into a fucking mountain. I would have really liked for him to come back again. <laughs> and then be the clip. And then just like, <laughs> he's like, God damn it, bitch. Um... But he's got to sit down and be like, what did we talk about? That I was not going to find you a mountain. <laughs> and what did you do? I was not going to do a mountain. So what do we do now? It's like, you make us evade the mountain. Then he just kind of looks at her before doing it. Like, he waits. Are he's like, it? are you going to do it, Bob? Like, James! James! Like, All right. Go give me some opium. <laughs> give me some more opium. I'm having withdrawals. There's a family bond thing. Just keeps going. <laughs> having opium withdrawals. Just every time. <laughs> That's a scene. They all just go, what is it? Raw opium. Like, oh, really? Let me taste. Are you sure? I know my raw opium. I know my raw, raw opium. And they're all and just, just them all at just a certain like point around passing a bag around. Just going raw. <laughs> all right. Oh, man. Oh, oh. I, it just writes itself. <laughs> So he got. So when he left before, he said, "I'm going to defuse a bomb." This time he leaves, and he says, "I'm going to drop a bomb." Drops the bomb. That's a whole thing. They, they, uh, they're, they're going. For, they run out of fuel, and uh, they're flying towards a cliff. <laughs> they, I told you. Well, they're out of fuel. They can't help it, and so they get out. Uh, they use the jeep that she drove into the plane. Uh, it comes out with the parachute. It's a whole deal. Yeah, it had like a locking tray and stuff. It was, yeah, I'm glad that's you why pointed, it didn't fall. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because yeah. I was like, how in the fuck did that jeep just not fall parking down brakes, on top of them? Parking brakes work wonders, man. I guess. Uh, no, it like locked in the plane as a special military plane, I suppose. And um, uses the parachute, comes out. You know, the thing breaks off, and then you know somehow. <laughs> Suspension of the Jeep's just fine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the plane crashes into a cliff, and they absolutely didn't blow up that plane, it looked like, because the, the explosion just looked very detached from the plane. Yeah. Which, like, I mean, if you shoot a movie, just just blow up the plane. Yeah. Right? Well, it almost looked like it was like a uh, like a model plane, like a, you know, like a handcraft kind of thing. Sure. handcraft? That's not a word. Yeah, or they... Maybe they flew a plane, they just kind of had it that downward angle, sort of, mm -hmm. and then maybe put like, that footage over, like, footage of Cliff. Sure. And then had the plane fly into, you, you know, yeah, how, the, how the plane's angled, and yeah. then, you know, then had the explosion happen. Anyhow. Um, so that's over. He goes, I don't remember what the city name was, I should have wrote it down. Something about, we're going to call it the city of kimchi because i don't remember the exact <laughs> name they go oh, i know a great spot in kimchi 
We I actually just have stuff close. It was like Comfy. I know it's very close, but I know I could Critchy. I don't know. It's fine. We're calling it kimchi. Sure. And uh, he goes, we can just make supper. And so then they drive off. It's 250 kilometers away. Which I don't know what that conversion is, and we're not going to do it. Um, so he confronts Brad Whitaker. They're going out. So this is the resolution of everything. we got to get Brad Whitaker and cost golf. Yeah. Put a nice little bow on it all. And... Uh, Whitaker has his whole uh, place like diorama, and it's all set up for yeah. just killing people. So he pops drawers out. James gets hit in the hit in the shins. He pulls guns out. He's got machine guns. Bond's got a little pistol. Brad Whitaker says, "Unfortunately, your little pop gun's no match for my whatever the fuck he says." Oh, the modern armor because the gun has like armor on it. Yeah, it has like this acrylic whatever bullshit guard over it. Guy, yeah. yeah. So that's cool. And uh, he says, all right, you've had your eight. I'm going to have my 80. And then, of course, nothing hits Bond. Because he's impervious to... It's, I mean, it's the plot shield. Yeah. He's got the plot proof. It's like, you have the thing, I have the thing. He's like, I got the, I got a plot vest on. Yeah. You, you think your bulletproof vest is cool, I got a plot vest on. What's the name of the movie? Exactly. Die. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, so the car key saves the day once again. He clips it to the statue, waits till Whitaker gets close enough. Starts talking shit about one of the, I think it was like a British colonel or general or something. It figures you hide behind that statue. And then he goes, which is the wolf whistle that sets off the uh, car key bomb. Statue explodes, falls on Whitaker. Uh... Bond's like, yeah, did it. And then he's standing there. Door bursts open. Uh, henchman rolls in, is about to shoot him. And you hear the machine gun firing. And you're like, wow, they're mowing down Bond, huh? Yeah. But uh, turns out Pushkin is there to save the day because, again, we faked his death earlier. Uh, and then Pushkin says, I owed you that one, Bond. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Koskov starts trying to play the... Pushkin side. Oh, thank God you're alive. He's kept me there. trapped here for weeks. I don't know what I was going to do. And he goes, put him on the next plane to Moscow in a diplomatic bag. So. Which, nice. so I'm... I'm, I'm a, assuming body bag. Yeah, I, I was dumb. I was going to ask you if that's what that meant, if it was a body bag. I'm assuming, bag or... but I'm also dumb and I could be wrong. Yeah. But, uh, that, yeah, that's my assumption. Sure. Um... Bond, the, I don't know if you can even call it a Bondism. I guess there's the Battle of Waterloo. And so then, you know, when Whitaker dies, because the statue falls on him, he falls on the, I think, model of this Battle of Waterloo that he has. Okay. And Bond says he met his Waterloo, which, like, I guess is okay. Which, because it's his Battle of Waterloo right there. And then yeah. And he met it, because he... I don't know. Not not great on the Bondisms. The he got the boot was the best Bondism of this movie. Yeah, it's the only one that really landed in any kind of way. Speaking of landing, the way <laughs> Grossneck would have landed on the Earth and probably shattered into pieces. Yes. Uh, we gave the general Gogol explanation, but he appears once in the end of the movie. Uh, the Afghan dudes rush in at the end of the concert to say hi to her. 
And I said, sorry, we missed the concert. We had some trouble at the airport, and I'm under his breath to General Gogol. Says, I can't imagine why. These guys are just, like, garbed entirely. Like, they still have, like, bullets and all of their stuff. It's like, I can't imagine these guys made it through security. Yeah. There's no way. Maybe that 80s security, though, right? Because... And it's like... Before, you know, pre-9-11. Are you bad guys? No. No. All right. You sure? You kind of look like bad guys. Here's my my good guy card. I have a good guy card right here. I swear. It's good for me and all my men. (laughs) So... And then she goes into her dressing room and... Uh, more like an undressing room. Yeah, yeah, more like an undressing room in this case. And, uh, you know, she says... She she's, sees two glasses, two martini glasses. I would like to think that... Uh, fuck, what was the chemical that she put as drink uh, there? Hydrochloric? No. Hydrochlorate or... Hyd- yeah, so... That uh, sounds like Gatorade, hydrochloric. <laughs> anyway, not that it matters, but... Uh, she sees two glasses there. I'd like to think he made her a chemical cocktail as well, but uh, yeah. Excuse me. Got one of those ticklies in my nose. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, she goes. Uh, she starts whistling to activate the key finder. It starts beeping, and then you know they go behind the. Excuse. Me. Goes behind the wall. You hear the. Uh, classic oh james James. and then the movie ends and then my biggest criticism on the end credit is you always end the movie with the theme song and they didn't do that they had some other romantic song they didn't like that yeah and not to mention just the backdrop we got to it was just like the outside of um, outside of that concert hall yeah which is like and yeah, it's just it, it, it was definitely like a boring like just and really the end scene in general just like from getting back into the um, uh, into her like her dressy room and just like the quick you know like oh we're gonna have sex now yeah, like that that whole yeah. thing just kind of landed weak for me and then yeah not using the Bond outro song or the you know the Bond song the theme or yeah even just the, even the Bond backdrop. song been, yeah. like, da, 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 da. like that would have even been better yeah but it's like it's it's almost like they were trying so hard to stand by like regular movie rules and it's like sure logic would follow you're not gonna use the same song twice. Unless it was like super plot relevant, but guess what? This but one guess is. what? This is Bond, and it does it. I mean, it's pr- it's part of the score in the fucking movie. Yeah, and and uh, you know, yeah, that's what they do in these movies. Yeah. The, you know, the the theme song is always part of the score. It's always at the end and the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the other things I read was the the guy who had been doing the score, um, John Barry. This is his last one, and that's last one. movie for John Barry. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, we might want to look that up again to confirm. When I was reading through that, I think it said either this one or just that the. Filby yeah, just the last of his movies were uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the last ones he worked on. But okay, so do you want to guess? And again, our stuff's never accurate because we just go by Wikipedia. But sure. you want to guess our budget for the Living Daylights? Sure. So last one was like one thirty or one sixty or something. What was it? Or was this one the crazy the view one? View to a kill was thirty. Was, oh, that's right. That was the one that was like super low for some reason. I'm gonna guess this one's kind of back to our our normal budget. That, that thing was the Austin Powers thing because remember Austin Powers one was one twelve and a half, and then for some reason Austin Powers two was thirty three. Ah, uh, I see, I see. That was the yeah. So okay. the highest we've got on any of these Bond movies before Living Daylights was thirty four, and Vito Kill was thirty. Okay. 
So uh, Moonraker thirty four, Fury Eyes only twenty eight, Octopussy twenty seven and a half, View to a Kill thirty, mm. and Living Daylights. Let's let's go forty flat. It's forty flat. No <laughs> shit. Yep. Okay. And uh, box office, according to Wikipedia, one ninety one point two. So did pretty good. Yeah. Um, About five times. The first of a, you know, the first movie of a new Bond always uh, does exceptionally well is the trend. Yeah. Uh, And uh, so Harley gave this a six and a half earlier, which we will cut to in the end of this video, and you'll get to see that, or the end of this pod, and you'll get to hear that. Um, What would you give this score? I give this score. What <laughs> score would you give The Living Daylights? I, I wasn't entirely sure at first like how I was going to feel about it, but I kind of liked the way most of it turned out. I kind of liked a little bit more of the serious tone here. Um, I think I would give this one a 7.2. Okay. I think that, that feels really right for me. I like it kind of a little bit more than what we were finishing off there with Roger Moore. Um, yeah. I, I'm really excited to see how the next one goes, because I, I, I kind of like the, the way this movie felt. Yes. Kind of like the tone they were setting for it, so I'm really excited to see if they can... A movie I can take seriously. ...keep true to that, or if they're like, hey, let's see if we can maybe, you know, backtrack back to some of the, the Sean Connery days, and yeah. I'm hoping they don't do that. I'm hoping I'd, they don't. I'd, I'd love it if they can Only keep... Only Connery can be Connery. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd love it if they can keep this same kind of tone throughout the next one. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the beginning of this... The first maybe hour of this movie to me is really excuse me like an eight-ish thing yeah you know but the back half of the movie as i've said we we really run on at the ends of these movies and yeah it's the and then that happen at that point we thicken plots and you know like let's just accept these things for what it is when you keep trying to complicate these plots you know you're not adding anything to it it's just like oh Okay, oh, now he has to fuck her, now he has to go over here and do this, he has to kill them, you know. So because of that, it kind of lowers. The second half of this movie is really like a six to me. Yeah. So those balance out to me and it becomes a seven. So that is my score on The Living Daylights. Uh, Just out of curiosity, did you watch any more of those Conneries? No. Okay. So, last one I had a review for, so last I've gotten to. But I, I need to burn through the rest of them just so yeah. I can... Oh, I mean, no rush. I was just wondering, since we got the, uh, we got these uh, spots here. Yeah. And I need to go back and I need to listen to the Austin Powers one and fill in our yeah. scores there. All right, cool. So, uh, next movie is... Uh, well, you know what? I'll let uh, Harley cover that one. Uh, but before we cut to Harley, I will say uh, thank you for listening or viewing. And you can subscribe to us on Spotify, the Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. You can follow us on Twitter at ContentCrisis1. You can email us at um, ContentCrisisHotlineYahoo.com. Uh, questions, uh, suggestions, you know, if, you know, if we get some fan mail, we may very well read it on there. Um, so that would be cool. You know, tell us why we're stupid, why we're good, why we're bad. Uh, we'd love to hear any of it. And uh, we will now cut to Harley, but thank you. Action. Hello, my name is Harley Gifford. You have just watched me. Watch you watching.
also a passionate love tale between a violinist and a broke old man. I give this movie a 6.5 for its disgusting and titillating nature. Uh, yeah, the movie kind of, I didn't really like it. Uh, yeah, I don't really have much more. I'll sit down for the next this part. Yeah, I didn't really like it that much. Uh, it was kind of like, um, like if you took a line of cocaine and just threw like share on top of it, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, whoa, that's a lot of 80s, you know? So, um, they, they kind of went like, instead of being, uh, like fun, it was, uh, not. So, my review of Austin Powers, The Living Daylights is 6.5. It bored the living daylights out of me. Uh, so I can't wait for the next one. Tyler, what's the next one? License to Kill. Get ready for a license to kill this summer. <laughs> cut. Uh, cut. Yep, that was good.